morning. It's been a rainy day, but you are here. That's awesome. Thanks for coming out. A little bit of a nasty day. It's exciting to see you. You know, it is amazing, isn't it? In um, just a few weeks, we all go to the polls and we vote. And there's a lot of things to vote on, of course, amendments and the local elections. And then the one that um, we hear about all the time, which is the presidential election. How many of you know who you're voting for? How many, raise, raise your hand. You already know who you're voting for. You already kind of made that decision. How many of you don't know yet who you're voting for? You know, we thought it'd be kind of fun. Um, if you want to go to our app, there's actually a way to, uh, to vote. We thought if we were in charge, potential church, who would win the presidency? So if you got our app or you want to download our app at the App Store or uh, Android, download it, and uh, we'll let you know next week who won, all right? At least at Potential Church. Um, in with, it's been a crazy, I mean, longer than a year. It seems like it's been going on forever, but it's kind of crazy this year. Um, it's not, a, you know, I guess what uh, people expect. A lot of different things have happened and been said, and, and there's a temptation maybe for some of you, especially if you haven't already decided who you're going to vote for, to not vote. And I want to encourage you, uh, challenge you really, to be involved. Uh, Romans chapter 11 says that we're to pray for our leaders and that we need to be engaged. And so I, I want to encourage you to not um, just dismiss that. Just think, oh man, I'm not sure. Excuse me, I don't know. I don't. No, no, let, let's, let's engage because it's one of the ways to honor those who have given their life for you and I to experience the freedom that we have. And so it's almost dishonoring to, to not participate in the way that we have. Another thing I want to challenge you in, in that area is that it's an opportunity to grow because in all of life, there are decisions we have to make that aren't black and white. Now, for some of you, this might be a black and white decision. You've made it. That's great. But for others of you that are thinking about not engaging, it may be because it's not, oh, man, I like some of this. I like some of that. I'm not sure what I need to do or supposed to do, any of those kind of things. Well, there's a lot of those kind of decisions in life. I mean, should you work here or should you work there? Should you live here or should you live there? Should you date this person? Should you go to this college? Should you take this job? There are all the kinds of decisions like that. And this is an opportunity to, to learn how to make and to be, get better at making important decisions, but decisions that may be difficult. That's actually what we're going to talk about next weekend. We're going to talk about how do you make tough decisions I mean, does God care? Is there one decision? And if you don't make that one, the rest of your life is ruined? I mean, um, so I, I think that'll help us out next year as we deal with the election, but of course deal with things much bigger than the election. So I want to encourage you to be involved. And I've got good news because, you know, if you watch television, it's a little overwhelming because there are political ads on every channel and there are pundits. And, and you, you know what motivates people better than anything? fear. That, that's why, you know, political ads use fear. Even sometimes churches use fear. Fear motivates us. Parents use fear sometimes, and it's not the most healthy, but, and, and so you can watch the news, and you can freak out. Why, man, if this person wins, the world, you know, is going to be horrible. Things are all going to fall apart, and I, I, I put a passage of scripture in your outline, because I, 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 I think you can have peace no matter who wins any election. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1 says, The king's heart, it's in that outline I gave you if you want to pull it out. It says, The king's heart is like a stream of water directed by who? 
Yeah, by the Lord. He guides it what? Now let's say it together. He guides it where? Yeah, wherever he pleases. So ultimately, God is in control no matter who wins the election. He's on his throne. You could even say it is stronger. He is Lord. Now we've turned that into a religious a religious idea, but when it's, you see it written in Scripture, it's not a religious idea, it is a political idea, because it was basically saying Caesar's not. So much so that a local, or excuse me, a all-powerful government, Rome, decided they were going to get rid of a local leader. Uh, his name was Jesus. And they said, we're not going to just vote him out. We're going to nail him to a tree. That's exactly what they did. But God says, uh-uh, it's not the way it works. And on the third day, he who was dead was alive once again. And it's just a reminder, he is Lord, he is in control, and no matter who wins the vote in just a few weeks, God is still in control. And that person's heart will be in his hand. And that's comforting to know when there's so much going on in our world. Now, like in any election, but I think even more in this one, a lot of words being said. I mean, one side says that the other side is corrupt, that they're liars, that you can't trust them. Maybe both sides say that about each other. But last weekend, there was um, a, a tape recording that came out of Mr. Trump. And uh, evidently, he didn't know uh, at the time that the, that the mic or whatever was still still going. And I want to speak to that because it's been in, our new, in the news. And I think it's important in this sense. I, I want to pull your perspective. I want to make sure you understand what I'm saying. I want to pull your perspective up beyond the election and even beyond Mr. Trump. Mr. Trump says that that happened 10 years ago. He is not that person any longer. And he says that he has apologized. You'll have to weigh for yourself whether or not you believe that he's changed or that he has apologized or if you think it's sincere or whatever. But, but I, I want to talk about those who are defending him, especially Christ followers, because we know that the words that he said were unchristian and evil, all right? So as a Christ follower, especially if you're a Christ follower and uh, any Christ follower that is, you know, believes that he is the better choice for president, and on this issue, now, if you want to defend him, that he is a changed man, that was 10 years ago, great. If you want to say that he's apologized and we need to accept that, fine. But what I hear a lot of is that is locker room talk. I hear a lot of, you know, uh, Bill Clinton has done far worse. And I hear a lot of, um, we've all heard those kind of words before. And I want you and I, as Christ followers, to be able to go to the water cooler, you might say, at work, or to the family reunion when it comes to our family, and, and not lose our credibility. See, when you use any of those excuses as a Christ follower, you lose credibility. Because, you know, I've played basketball all my life, and high school, college, and overseas, and all that stuff. And you know what? You don't have to use that language in the locker room. You don't have to use that language at work. You don't have to use that language really anywhere as a Christ follower. And we're not judged in how we compare with other people. We're judged by who God has created us to be and the gifts and the talents 
and what he's called us, um, called us to do. And it doesn't matter if you've heard those words before. As a Christ follower, we are to speak in a certain way. So we can't defend somebody based upon those things. Because if you do, when you speak about anything else, you have no credibility. If you're going to defend him in this case, it needs to be on his apology and it needs to be upon the fact that he says he's changed. And Because I want us to talk about words because I think we tend to underestimate not just the politicians or the pundits, but we, we tend to underestimate the power of our own words because we use a lot of them, don't we? Right? I mean, how many of you have spoken today? How many of you have been with somebody who has already talked too much today? You know what I mean? Right? We use these words. And look at the scripture says that. Look what it says in Proverbs chapter 21, 1. Or excuse me, uh, Proverbs 18, 21. It says, words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. And then what does it say? You choose. Words kill or they give life. Words are poison or they're fruit. And here's the good news, though. We get to choose. We get to choose what our words bring about. Life or death, poison or fruit. And James, he even went a little further. Look at what he says in James chapter 3, verse 3. He says, in the bit, uh, A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of even the strongest winds. A word of your, out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish anything or what? Destroy it. So what is the writer of James saying? Our words are powerful. And they steer the direction of our life. And so whether you call it gossip or name-calling or mudslinging, my, my challenge to us today is that you and me, the pundits, the politicians, the political parties, we all need to hold ourselves to a higher level. We need to awaken to the realization that our words are incredibly powerful. And so I want to give us like, that the Bible, Scripture gives us like some warning words. Some things to think about when it comes to our words. Just three. Here's the first one. Words pong you. Okay, now you might have to look at the screen to see how to spell that. But words pong you. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I mean that words tend to come back to you. When I was a kid in elementary school, I got the first video game. You know what it was? Pong. How many of you remember Pong? <laughs> you got to be old, all right? I remember when I got it. And, and, and I, 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 Pastor Brian, actually, now he doesn't have the original Pong. He has the Radio Shack version, all right? And, and he, he brought it here to me. And, you know, what you do is you hook it up to your TV. It's got this old school TV hookup, and then you have two little knobs, one on this, one on here, and you, you pong. That's what you do, you, you, you pong. And Now, I'm going to show you just a, a little bit here in a minute, but the graphics are going to freak you out, all right? Those of you who are like gamers, you got any gamers here? Okay, here we go. This is pong. <laughs> got to love that sound. And eventually, whoever misses, the other team gets a point. Is that awesome? 
Listen, when I got that game for Christmas, I was hot stuff in my neighborhood. My friends came over, my cousins came over, even my older cousins came over. I felt so cool. You know? now, but that's what our words do. We send our words out thinking that they're going to uh, get something for us, but instead they come right back at us. And they cause us to lose. They, they cause more pain in our words hurt us sometimes more than the folks around us. Look what the scripture says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. It says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words do what? Cause quarrels. Cause quarrels. Have you ever experienced that? Right, where you say something and you say it the wrong way, you say it with the wrong emphasis, you say the wrong words, and it actually comes back to hurt you more than it does to help you. You think, I'm going to show, I'm going to show them. Right, I, I, was, I was in the doctor's office and I saw where just this week, actually just a little bit further south of Miami, that there was a case of road rage and someone lost their life. Because we, road rage is often that, like, right, kind of back and forth. It's kind of like if you ever accidentally, or maybe on purpose, I don't know how you drive, you cut somebody off on the road. I mean, when you, if you do that on the freeway, you cut them off, what's going to happen? They're going to speed up to you, and they're going to look at you. Oh, my gosh, right? Because you can speak without using words, especially in a car. You've got a horn, you've got a hand, all right? And, and, and when they do that to you, how do you normally respond? Do you normally go like, you're right, I'm just a goofball. <laughs> no, you up it a little bit. And it goes back and forth and back and forth. And people get hurt, including you. Same thing happens in relationships. I got a Friday, like I told you, I was at the doctor. Now, physicians here in South Florida are a little different than when I was growing up in Arkansas. They have several different offices. My appointment got canceled because of Matthew, the hurricane, last week. And so I had to go to Aventura this Friday, late, like 4 o'clock. And for those of you at our other campuses, you know, Aventura's, I don't know, 20 miles or so. But it's a lot of traffic between here and there that time of day. And, and so I get there, and I get parked, and I go to the doctor. I come out of the doctor. I get in my car, and I realize I have a flat tire. And, and I, you know, I'm right there near the Aventura Mall, so I pull in there, and I call uh, whatever you call the, the AAA people, you know, to, to come, and, and it, they're going to have to tow it because I don't have a spare tire. And, and it took them an hour to find a tow company that would come and tow it. And then when she came on the line, she said, sir, the only company I can find, blah, 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 and she said, it's going to be a 90-minute wait. So that's, that's two and a half hours. But, I mean, what choice do I have? I can't push my car home. And, and so I say, okay, you know, hoping it'll be quicker. <laughs> um, but because it, it wasn't 90 minutes. It was three and a half hours. So it was four and a half hours by the time I called him. I had to wait four and a half hours. That's four and a half hours to think about what I'm going to say to this tow man. Because he just kept calling, right? He called. He's, oh, I'm sorry, sir. It's not going to be 90 minutes. It's going to be, you know, an hour. And I'm, you know, finally he's like, I'm four miles away. 35 minutes later, he's two miles away, you know, and and um, or four minutes away. So, and then the thought kind of occurs to me. You know what? I'm going. It's because now it's nine o'clock or later, and I'm like, I'm going to give him my car, and I'm not going to be where he drops it off. So I, I want him to treat my car nice, not just 
bad. And so I thought, you know what, I need, I need to be nice. And, and so I, I just kept telling myself that, I need to be nice. And, and he pulls up, you know, after I'm just hot and tired. And, and, um, and so I walk up, and thank goodness he was nice. Because I think had he been mean, I only had one nice left in me, all right? <laughs> So he was nice, and I was nice, and, you know, we filled out the paperwork, and everything worked out. And I think the reason that it did, I think it could have been completely different, but the reason that it worked out is simply because of the words I chose and the words that he chose. Our words can pong us. They can come back and hurt us. Look what the Scripture says in Proverbs 29, 20. There is more hope for a fool than someone who speaks without thinking. Can I get an amen? Have you ever stuck your foot in your mouth? You ever stuck your own foot in your mouth, you know? It's like, oh, what was I thinking? Because words leave an impression, don't they? Right? You listen to that. Have you ever come home and you tell somebody, you know, your friend or spouse, whatever, and you're like, man, I met so-and-so, and they're so kind. And you're like, well, what do you mean? I don't know. They just, they, what, it was their words, and the words that they spoke impacted their countenance. Like, I, 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 if some of you right now, I mean, I, I come out here every week, and I get to look at thousands of people's faces. And, and I'm, I'm, some of you, I bless your heart, you just look like you're miserable, you know. I mean, I, 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 I'm doing my best here to help you. Um, but, but, right, you meet somebody, they're nice, and you say, what, what, words. Words can uh, cause someone to be angry, right? You, you remember them as angry because of the way they speak. Sometimes uh, intelligence, words leave an impression. You're like, man, that, that person understands. That person has a, a depth to them. Sometimes it's ignorance. Sometimes it's pride. Have you ever been out on a date? And, you know, however it is, it worked out, and you're sitting there, and all of a sudden they say something, and you're like, this person is weird. We, I mean, they, they look normal, and they acted normal, but they are weird. And you're like, how do I get home without dying, you know? I mean, this, this person's weird. It's all what? It's all words. That's exactly what the wisdom writer of Scripture says, is that words can... They can pong us. In Proverbs 13, in verse 3, it says, Those who control their tongue will have a long life. But opening your mouth can do what? Ruin everything. When I was in college, you know, I played basketball. And after practice one day, we were in the gym because we were, you know, as we were in there a lot in off season, and, and the practice was over, and I, there was a pull-down bar. Now, I don't know if you know what that is. Here's what it looks like, okay? It's got a chain hooked to the top of it, and you pull on it, and it pulls the weights up, and that's how you exercise. And, it, and it, so it kind of swings a little bit. So I was on one side, my teammate was on the other, and he made some kind of joke about me or whatever, and so I just kind of swung the bar at him. Not hard, just kind of kidding off. He dodged it. Well, when he dodged it, I kind of laughed, and it came back, and it hit me in the mouth. <laughs> now, I have veneers in all of these teeth, not because I want to look good, because they were all broken that day. Because it came back. It ponged me. And our words, a lot of times people are like, man, why don't I ever get that promotion? Why am I not being able to get that breakthrough? Why do my relationships all seem to struggle? I mean, why are all these things happening? And you're looking out there for something on the outside to be causing your problems or your challenges. In reality, it's that your own words are ponging you. 
that people have impressions of you, people respond to you, and people act around and do things because of your words. Your words and my words speak life, they speak death, they are poison, or they are fruit. Our words can pong us. Here's the second one you might jot down, is while our words pong you, our words attack others. Our words pong you, in other words, they come back and hurt ourselves, but our words attack others. They're kind of like attack dogs. We send them out, and they uh, hurt the people around us. Look what the Scripture says in chapter 15 and verse 4. It says, kind words do what? No, let's say it again, because this is the happy part. Kind words do what? Now, so the, the, the wisdom writer here, Scripture says that our words can literally help people, they can help us, and they can bring healing to us and other people. Cutting words do what? Wound and maim, just like an attack dog. And I thought, you know what? You, you need to see an attack dog, so we have an attack dog, all right? We have Richard and his son Chris from K9 Training Academy, and they have brought Xena their attack dog because I want you to be reminded of how our words can attack now I'm sure if you have a dog that would like to be trained they could help you out now who is Zena gonna attack me <laughs> unless he misses and then it'll be you <laughs> so you're in the wet zone or splash zone like they say at Disney let me take my watch off here All right, are you guys ready? All right. <laughs> He's strong. <laughs> Woo, give it up for Zena. Give it up for me. <laughs> Thank you very much. Wow. These dogs are strong. And you know what's interesting is our words are just like that. They go out and they're aggressive and they chomp down. And I can tell you something. Uh, if they, they have so much force that it can c cause bruising. Even when you're wearing... Uh, certain sleeves up and down your uh, your arm because they just they just bite and uh, He was telling me backstage if I push out That causes the dog's mouth to open so if you ever are getting bit by see you come to potential church And you learn all kinds of things <laughs> if you push out they open their mouth now the bad thing is is in that situation they're going to bite again, all right? And this time they might not bite the arm. But they have incredible power, and our words are the same way. They go out, and they bruise people emotionally. And they uh, cut, and they tear, and they rip people relationally. And you know what we do a lot of times is we forget that wounds take time to heal. Maybe you've experienced this, or, or you've had this happen in your own life, or is, is you say something, you attack with your words, and then you see the pain that they cause. And just like the trainer, you call them off. Because you, you, you see, man, my words have hurt this person. My words have bruised this person. My words is, have caused you know, all of this harm. 
And so you call the words off, but then so many times we're impatient. We want their wounds to immediately heal. we, We respond so many times, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. And then we immediately want them to forgive us, to forget it. We immediately want them to be okay. And if they're not, they're kind of like, I said I was sorry, goodness. Come on, you're going to, right? So what do we need? We need to have kind words, patient words, compassionate words, caring words, because those are all medicine that allow the relational bruises and allow the emotional cuts to heal in the lives of people. And the thing about patience is it reminds you the next time that you're thinking about releasing those attack words into people's lives that they do cause um, great pain. And we we don't think of that, right? Because we learned when we were little, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never, they will never harm me. Look what the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. And can I tell you one of the ways that you can be reminded of how powerful your words are is if you have children. My children are older now, and so a lot of times they'll come up to me and they'll be like, Dad, do you remember? (laughs) And they'll say something, you know, do you remember? And I'm like, no. I mean, I don't remember it. It's not like I'm trying. I just do not remember it. In other words, it had a much greater impact on them than I realized in the moment. What I do remember if Steph and I made a commitment early on that we, didn't, we never wanted to discipline our kids in anger because that's punishment. Discipline is not so that we feel better, but so that they learn, so that they grow, so that they're better in the future. And I remember we were in the van one time. Bailey was young, and Bailey is our youngest. She's our only girl, and she's very strong. And, um, and, 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 and I, I, I got frustrated, and I yelled. So it's the first time I remember just being so frustrated, I just yelled. And when I yelled, the, all the kids were in the car, the boys immediately got quiet, and she just started crying. And the boys were on the verge of crying. And I, and, I'm just, and I remember it because I remember I did not realize my words had that much power. I was just frustrated. Didn't hate my kids. I wasn't, you know, about to beat my kids. I mean, I, I wasn't on the verge of, of, of doing anything that I would regret and my words still had that much power. So our words, doesn't matter what you and I meant. It doesn't matter what we intended. Our words are like attack dogs. And they can hurt the people around us. In Ephesians 4.29 it says, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be what? Good and helpful. Say that with me. Good and Yeah. Everything you say. doesn't say some of the things. Most of the things. It says everything that I say should be good and helpful. Why? So that my words and your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. doesn't matter the circumstances. Good words. Because those words that we speak, they have that ability to bring comfort, to bring courage, to, to bring confidence. They pong back on us, but they can also attack or encourage, bring death or life to the people around us. You know, there's actually one of the top ten of God's commandments. It's about our words. Do you know that? 
One of the top ten, one of the top ten. God said these are the most important things to having a happy life that I have ever given anybody. The top ten, the ten commandments. And one of them is to not use um, God's name in vain. Now, what does that mean? Shall not use God's name in vain. The word vain means useless. So what God is saying is he's saying is that my, when you use my name, you need to be aware of what you're saying. In other words, my name is about all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere at one time. My name spoke the word into existence. My name brought Lazarus back from the dead. My name gave blind eyes the ability to see. My name brought sick people well. In other words, there is power in my name so that every time you and I speak his name, there is an awareness in our lives which brings an honor. This is a name of power. This is a name of courage. This is a name of hope. This is a name of peace. So when you and I, you know, use his name uselessly, where we see something like, God, that's pretty. Or we say, Jesus Christ. Or say, oh, Christ, or, or Lordy, or any of those kind of things. What we're doing is we're taking God's name in vain because we're using it absence the power, absence the honor. And God says, that is a revelation to you and to me that many times during our day, we forget the power that God has. In other words, we forget that that name is about peace and it is about hope and it is about courage and it is about joy. And so when I hear his name, that's what it should bring into my life. But when I use it uselessly in vain, it becomes just common. There's no more power in his name than in saying, you know, goodness. They're just kind of something thrown out there. So he says, be aware that what we say has incredible, incredible power. And then the last thing that I want to share with you is that words not only pong you, words attack others, but words spanks you. And you probably have to look at the screen to see how to spell that, to see what I'm saying. Words spanks you. Now here's, here's what I mean when I say that words um, spanks you. I have some spanks here, all right? How many of you don't know what spanks are? Let me see your hands, all right, all right, I'm going to educate you. I told you you learn a lot of stuff at Potential Church, okay? <clears throat> spanks, they make them for men, they're like t-shirts, I think. And then they, I don't know what all kinds of things they are for ladies, all right? But basically what they are, are girdles. All right? They keep, guys, ladies, they keep stuff in. They make you look littler than you are. In other words, you know, it's kind of like, I think there are probably some people who get married, but they don't really realize how, how big a person they married till their honeymoon. They're kind of like, when I said I love all of you, but I didn't know there was so much to love, you know? Um, that's what spanks do. They hold it in. But they don't take it away. Now, I, I want you to see what the Scripture says in Matthew chapter 15, verse 18. It says, but the words you speak come where? They come from the heart. So when you and I are talking, and we say something that 
is regretful. We, we say something out of anger. We say something maybe out of vulgarity. Whatever it is that we say, there's a tendency immediately to say, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I, I don't know where that came from. I didn't mean that. No, 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 no. Scripture teaches us that what you say, what I say, comes from the heart. It's not that it's not been there. It's just that I've had spanks on. I've controlled it. You haven't been able to see it. Now, when do the spanks come off? It will often when we're tired. Right? You ever, you, you ever said that? You know, you say something or respond in some way, and you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm just, I'm just so tired. As if the only reason you said that is because you were tired. Well, no, the fact that you were tired caused you to take off the spanks, but that anger has always been there. That frustration has always been there because it could not come out if it weren't there. That's what the, the text teaches. What you and I say doesn't come from externally. It comes from internally. It comes from what's in the, in the heart. And we tend to take our spanks off when we're tired, when we're sick. It's why sometimes this, that as people get older, I'm not talking about when they struggle with some kind of mental capacity. But just as you get older, you lose some of your strength right? You, that, you, that your body had. And sometimes you look at older folks and you're like, man, they seem to be totally different. They, they, they don't act the same way. They say things that they've never said before. Well, it's not really that they have changed. It's just that they no longer have the strength to hide who they'd always been. See, it, it comes out. It comes out when we get comfortable, right? You take, when you take the spanks off, I mean, you take them off when you get comfortable, right? You don't, I, mean, I don't think you want to wear them to bed, right? I mean, that, that's, that's uncomfortable. We do the same things with our words sometimes. We get around comfortable people. You ever walked in on people that you thought you knew until you got to, around a small group of them, and you're like, wow. I know as a pastor, it happens all the time. I'll be talking to people, and they'll be talking, and then somebody will walk up or something, and they'll say, hey, pastor, and they're like, you're a pastor? And you can see it immediately, like, where's my spanks? Where's my spanks? I, I got to put those things on. I got a pastor here. It's like, no, no, I already seen you. All right? So, so when, you, when you think about well, look, look, look what it says in Matthew 12, verse 35. It says, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a what? A good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of what? An evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. That's powerful, isn't it? The words you say will either acquit you or what? Condemn you. Acquit you or condemn you. So our words come from our heart. Now, the moment you say something and it's angry or it is uh, insecure, you know, where you say something and the reason you say it's because you're feeling small and you think that if you say something about this person, it'll make you feel bigger. Or you say something that's racial or bigotry or, or vulgar. The moment you say something, what's, everything within you is going to want to excuse it. 
It's going to want to say, I'm tired, I'm sick, I'm under a lot of stress. I mean, all of these kind of things. We want the other people to believe this is not who I am. And here's what I'm pleading for all of us to do as Christ followers, is to come to the willingness and the awareness, no, this is who I am. Now, I, I don't know where that came from, maybe. And where did that anger come from? Why would why did I get frustrated so quickly? Why did I just respond like that? Where did that vulgarity come from? I've never talked like that before. Where did that, that racism come from? Where did that anger against somebody that's different? I mean, the tendency is going to want to be to explain it away. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking all of us to have the courage to say, no, no, I said it. And if I said it, then it came from somewhere. Now, it might not be what I want to be, but it is who I am in this moment. Now, God, help me to deal with this. Help me to respond to this. Now, I need to apologize because that reveals my heart as well. Now, whoever you're apologizing to, they, can, you know, they get the opportunity to determine whether or not you're just trying to you know, cover it up or whether you sincerely are sorry for, for what's in your heart. You're sorry for what you have expressed. Right? So when I apologize, again, I, that's doing what? That's revealing my heart as opposed to, you know, blaming circumstances or trying to explain it away. So, no, oh man, I can't, I'm sorry. And I'm not just sorry here. I'm asking us to take it a little bit further. So then what am I going to do to be transformed? I don't want to go through life thinking I just need to get a smaller size Spanx. You know, man, I can't ever let that happen again. I'll lose my job. I'll hurt my kids. You know, I, 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 no, I can, no, no, I just need to get something a little tighter. No, no, no. How can I be transformed? How can I live life in such a way that I'm not worried about what I'm going to say when I hit my thumb with the hammer? How, how, how can I live my life in such a way that I'm not going to get frustrated and say things the moment somebody cuts me off in traffic or yell at my family when I've had a bad day at work? What well, has to come from the inside, doesn't it? It has to be a real change. It begins with salvation, acknowledging that that's who I am acknowledging that my heart misses the mark not comparing myself to the people around me but acknowledge man that, that I said that I thought that and and God forgive me and come into my heart and transform me I'm asking you to be the Savior the Lord of my life that's where it begins but I'm afraid that sometimes once we've trusted Christ or we believe there is a God we just kind of leave it there. And then we try to will ourselves. And will might last, what, for a week, a month? Well, till the next time you're sick or you're tired or you're under stress or you're just hanging out with the ladies or the guys. But eventually, the spanks will come off. Willpower will never, ever be enough. And eventually, not only will God know, but everyone will. 
because I will and you will be revealed. So I want to, how do I be transformed? Well, the Bible uses this word in some of your Bible translations, you, you, may, you may see it. It's, it's not justification, salvation, it is sanctification. It's the transforming, the growing, the learning, the maturing, and that's a process. And that's why every week when I come out here, in one way or another, I'm challenging you to do what? To go through the process, to put those habits in your life that change your heart. That's why I challenge you. You need to be faithful to God's house. You, you need to find a group of people to, to do some kind of serving with, whatever your gifts are. You need to spend time in God's Word. It's not how long, but it is how consistent. You need to hang out. You need to talk to God on a daily basis. You need to be obedient and faithful in your giving of your finances. Why of all those things? Because they change who you are. I'm passionate about this because I grew up in an angry home. I got two brothers, and my dad was mistreated, I guess, as a child even beaten physically as a child. And so he was an angry person. And I remember the fear of dad coming in and, you know, being, what kind of moods he going to be in today? We liked it when he worked. Didn't like the weekends that he wasn't working and he would be at home because we didn't know what kind of mood he was in. And I remember mom and them, where they get the pong going at night. And so many nights I'd go to bed and I'd hear them fighting. And and then Steph and I got married. And of course, that's all that I really knew. And, and I'll never forget, one day, we hadn't been married, I don't know, a year or so. And I was walking around the house to get some lawn chairs. We were going to a ball game. And I was angry. And I remember thinking to myself, am I going to go back? And am I going to slam the trunk and slam the door and, and, and say some, something in the car that, that's going to cause, you know, issues and problems? Is this the kind of marriage we're going to have? Is this the kind of person that I'm going to be? Now, I am thankful that God brought that to my spirit and forced me to make a decision. That whether or not I had a great marriage, whether or not my kids had peace in their life, was dependent upon the decision that I was going to make. And I remember getting back into the car and and Steph and I have in conversation. And it wasn't just a conversation. Hey, I love you, sweetie, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get as angry. See, that's what we do. But then we just violate what we have said. Because you cannot will change. We need transformation. Our conversation was, I'm not going to be an angry person. I'm not going to let my words cause hurt to you or an atmosphere of pain in our home. And the only way I can change that is for us to be committed to God's house. And so we decided as a young couple, we were busy, right? You always think you're busy when you first get married. We were still going to school. I'd hurt my back, and so I couldn't play basketball anymore. So I didn't have that scholarship. So we're going to, to, to school, and, you know, we've all both got two or three jobs, but we were faithful to be at Finch Baptist Church every, um, every weekend. We started helping in the student ministry, teaching some students there in, in uh, Paragold, Arkansas, where we lived at the time. We didn't know what we were doing, 
but we were young then, and we thought, well, this seems like a good place. They need somebody. We decided we didn't really have any money, but whatever it is that God gave us, we were going to give to Him, and that we were going to pray together as a couple and, and spend some time in His Word. I had no idea I was going to be a pastor. I was planning on being a coach. But I will tell you the day that about a year or so later, I remember looking back on the last year, and you know what I realized? I had changed. I had changed. It wasn't that I was no longer willing myself not to get angry. You know what? Those things didn't frustrate me in the same way they used to. I, I didn't get angry in the same way that I used to. I'd get frustrated and throw the cone down, but that didn't happen anymore. God changed me, and that's why I'm passionate about this in your life, is that your words have incredible power, and you don't have to go through life with disorder in your family and your kids on you know, ease, and, and you, God can transform you. So when you say, I love you, honey, or I love my kids, the only way you can do that is to commit to the habits that will transform you. Spiritual disciplines, tons of books written about them. I challenge you with that. Because my words and your words will pong you. They will attack others. And eventually, they will spank you. They will reveal you. Would you bow your head? Father, I thank you. I thank you that our words do reveal us because it's a way for us to know who we are. We don't always know where it comes from or how it got in there, but somehow it did. I pray that we wouldn't deny it or try to explain it away. I pray that we would just commit to the spiritual disciplines, to the habits of being faithful to your house, being involved in serving and somehow being faithful with our giving, hanging out in your word, talking to you. And then you transforming us. You showing us things in our lives that need to be changed. That bring about words of peace and words of compassion and words of comfort and words of victory and words of joy. May we steer our lives in such a way that the world is amazed. Ultimately for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you give God a hand?